This is Brain Diet, episode 175, what I'm currently working on in my health. I love so much focusing on the food we feed our body, but I love even more focusing on the stuff we feed our brain. My name is Taylor Ann Macy, and I am a certified life coach. Welcome to Brain Diet, where we feed your brain the best information. What's up, everybody? How's it going? Welcome to this episode. I'm excited to share with you today a little bit about what I've been working on in my health and what I've been doing personally. I hesitate to do this only because my way is not the only way. And the way I do things is not necessarily the correct way. The way I do things is just what I've learned through a lot of trial and error. And I figured I would share a little bit of an insight into what I'm actually working on just for the sake of illustrating the different areas that I focus on that contribute to my own wellness, physically, mentally, and with my autoimmune condition. I talk a lot about myself on this podcast. I will drop kind of bits and pieces about my life and things that are going on personally and all those things. And I thought maybe I can just dedicate an entire episode to talking about what I'm currently working on because those things change over time. And what I'm working on now is a little bit different than it was a, a year ago. It surely is a lot different than it was five years ago. And I figured it might just be a valuable look into the way I do things and hopefully might give you some perspective of sorts, no matter where you are in your health. When it comes to my health, I always have health goals always. At all times, I have something very specific that I am working towards. And sometimes my health goal is to be less precise with my health goals. (laughs) There have been times in my life where it's been very, very clear and precise goals that I've had for myself. And those have been great times. And then I've had to adjust and allow for the ebb and flow and say, okay, my goal now is to loosen up a little bit and to allow a little bit more flexibility. And all of these goals are made with the idea in mind of creating a better, healthier, overall happier life. And again, I'm not trying to get rid of all negative emotion necessarily, but to just feel overall well is an underlying theme of and an underlying frame of reference that I take when deciding what do I want to do. And especially in recent years, it has become much more of a what sounds fun type of mentality. What would be a fun goal to have? In addition to how can I take better care of myself? How can I maximize my health in certain areas in order to make sure that I'm doing what I can with what I've got? I like to think about my health goals as kind of a volume knob. And I've given this analogy before just in terms of anyone's goals and precision with which they operate, that the volume with which we operate when it comes to our health goals is going to be fluctuating. 
And it's important to allow for that fluctuation and to make decisions based on your life and what you want for yourself to turn it up in times when it is realistic to do so and to turn it down when it might be necessary to do that as well. And when you have chronic illness, it's always a factor that is playing to the volume of my health goals, how focused and how much energy I am putting into certain things. One of the determining factors is what's going on with my autoimmune condition and just my body in general. And so I'm going to give you just a a breakdown from a number of different facets of where I've been putting my energy lately and why I've been doing that. The first thing nutritionally is I've been doing this for probably about a year where I've been aiming for between 130 and 150 grams of protein per day. Now, again, I want to emphasize this is not right. This is not correct. This is just what I am doing personally for my body based on the goals that I have for myself. And I have a lot of physical goals in the gym. And thus, I need to make sure that I am fueling my body with adequate protein to repair and to build the muscle where I want to build. And that's my goal where I like to fall every day is somewhere between 130 and 150 grams of protein per day. I also fluctuate with the protein sources that I enjoy eating the most. For years, I've eaten eggs every day. Now, eggs aren't necessarily a high protein source, but they do have protein in them. Egg whites have a lot of uh, a lot of protein in them. But I usually will eat eggs more just for the micronutrient value, more than the protein value. But I usually have eaten those every day for years. And I feel like I've just been, I don't know, kind of shying away from eggs. I've been doing a lot of hard-boiled eggs, but I've been consuming more cottage cheese and things like beans. And again, those are not a high protein source, but I've just been trying to mix up where I'm getting protein. The high protein sources are still going to be the same. Generally speaking, I eat a lot of chicken, lean red meat, pork, ground turkey, um, whey protein. I have um, usually one to two servings of a whey protein powder per day. It makes it a lot easier to get those higher protein counts. And if you haven't yet, I actually have a free download that is a comprehensive list of uh, high protein foods. And you can get that by going to taylorannmacy.com slash protein. I will put that link in the show notes. But again, it's just like a free sheet that gives you a really comprehensive list of sources of protein. And I include plant-based options on there, vegan options, uh, you know, vegetarian options. It's pretty, it's pretty great. It's a good list to have just to remind yourself, like these are all of the foods that I can just choose from based on what I like and I can help myself get more protein. Do you need to get between 130 and 150? No, I don't know. I'd have to talk to you and talk about your goals. But for me, that's what I've been doing every day. I, in relation to the nutrition element, have been training five times a week and I have been doing CrossFit three to four-ish times. And then I have been doing two days of more hypertrophy training. I have a goal to grow my glute muscles this year. That was one of the things that I set in January. And so I have been taking measurements, taking photos, and following a very specific glute program in order to really track the data. Now, again, I am doing like a hybrid 
a hypertrophy CrossFit. And so I am not doing hypertrophy training for other mus- muscle groups on my body. I might later this year, but as of right now, I am loving CrossFit. I'm loving pushing myself and learning new things and beating myself based on what I did years ago. And granted, I'm not quite in a space right now where I'm beating myself because I'm still more or less coming back from surgery, but training five times a week. Now, for some people that might be too much. Three days a week in the gym doing some resistance training is perfectly adequate and is uh, you can see some pretty great benefits from three days a week. That's just kind of what works for our routine, for our family, for our life and for my goals overall. I'm also kind of nursing a back injury. I hurt my back in December. And so my training has for a while kind of had to accommodate for that. And I've been doing some PT for that. And now I am probably like 90 to 95%. I'm pretty much doing, I'm doing every movement. There aren't any that I'm limiting. I just have to be really careful when it comes to how I prepare and how I cool down and just to make sure that everything is engaged properly. And so that is another thing that I've been working on is I have had a heightened emphasis on mobility and stretching. I think it is a common cliche, especially in the CrossFit community where taking time for mobility and for stretching is seen as just a waste. (laughs) And again, that's an overgeneralization. But oftentimes it's like, I just want to be doing the lifts or I want to be like pushing myself on a run or doing something that is, you know, more visually like I'm working out type of thing. And as I have kind of had this little back injury and it's been really minor, but I've also just seen how, what type of difference it makes when I am really putting an emphasis on mobility and stretching. And so it's been a really good reminder for me because I think I've fallen into that category of, oh, it's okay. Maybe I'll do it today. Maybe not. It doesn't really matter. And it's been great to help me say, okay, if I need to take better care of myself, that means I'm going to have to put an emphasis on these things. And I've learned in a way to fall in love with taking some time for these things because I can see how it helps me feel better every single day. So that is more of the gym realm, fitness realm, physical realm of what I am working on. And like I mentioned, with everything fitness-wise, I am tracking things. So just as I am tracking like measurements of my glute muscles, I also, my gym has like an in-body scan where I do those pretty regularly just to see what types of things are changing and flowing and I take pictures and it's just important to collect data as much as possible relative to the goals to the goals that you have for yourself. If you have a goal to change something physically, it is going to be difficult if you rely on singular data points. And what I mean by this is if you have an overall health goal or a weight goal or a fat loss goal and you are going off of the scale alone, you are going to have a very small piece of the puzzle, a very isolated part of the picture. And so it's going to be difficult to move forward and to stay motivated when you just aren't seeing all the information that you need to be seeing. And so I really love collecting as much data as possible, just as I do when it comes to what I'm lifting in the gym. I track every single day. I record the results of every single workout. I pay attention to these numbers and sometimes the numbers will climb and climb 
And other times they'll be a little bit more stagnant and that's all okay because in my mind, these are all measurements that I'm going to zoom out and look at over the course of years. In five years, I'm going to look back on the numbers that I was putting up today and just use it as information, right? We're looking at overall trends over the long periods of time and not just how much changes in 12 weeks. And in a way, this type of approach has made my gym time more fun. And I've always had fun at the gym, generally speaking, But I think that learning to have as much fun as possible makes it easier to follow through. I mean, that's just basically the case for anything in life. If it is fun and you enjoy doing it, it's going to be much more easy to do. And so within CrossFit, as much as I've been working on like the hypertrophy of certain muscle groups, there are certain gymnastic movements at CrossFit that I have simply enjoyed enough that I've wanted to keep working on. Things like muscle ups, that's been on the docket for the last couple of years to get a bar muscle up and a ring muscle up. And I've gone through phases of really emphasizing training on that movement. And I feel like this year, especially the last four or five months, I have not put any effort towards it because I was recovering from surgery and it just is a taxing movement. And so I haven't really been actively putting effort into it. But it's so fun to try and train for. And so one thing that I have been doing is like working on handstands. Like how many adults do you know that can hold a handstand on their own for 10 plus seconds? I definitely can't yet, but I just think that's so fun. And it was something that I enjoyed so much as a kid doing handstands. And so I think for me, a lot of these gymnastic movements within CrossFit bring out the inner child in me. And I think that is something that I really enjoy is just connecting with that part of me. To dip back into the idea of how I'm doing things nutritionally, I don't think I mentioned this. But I am eating at maintenance calories, a little bit of a surplus sometimes. And this is because I am considering myself in a growth season. I want to grow certain muscle groups. I want to develop a lot of things in my body. And that requires energy. And I don't anticipate going into a deficit, certainly not this year. I think I will probably stay at this nutritional protocol, if you will, for at least another year and a half. Again, I'm open to things. But I just really relish having enough food to eat. You know, I feel like over the years, I've had my unique relationship with food and it has evolved and grown and changed and gotten so much better. And I think for me mentally, there is just something so liberating and freeing about eating enough food, about fueling my body and knowing that I am doing something that is so kind and loving to my body when in the past it wasn't always that way. And so eating enough food and the physical, mental, and emotional benefits that come as a result of that are just great. So that's where I'm at. Now, one of the approaches that I have incorporated into my day-to-day what I'm eating protocol, if you will, is I've actually been following Uh, If you listened to last week's episode where I talked about the autoimmune diet protocol with E.C. Sinkowski, they shared a challenge that is essentially to get 800 grams of fruits and vegetables per day, like cooked, frozen, or fresh, doesn't matter, just to get 800 grams of fruits and vegetables. And I have followed E.C. for a while and saw this challenge, and I said as much in the episode last week how awesome. I thought it was. And so I started to implement it 
it was probably two or three months ago. And I love the idea. And it's worked really well for me to say, hey, we're working to get about 800 grams of fruits and vegetables, and it's going to be messy, and it's not going to be perfect. But the goal is just to get more. It's not to eliminate anything, and it's not to have any right or wrong way. It's just to say, how can we incorporate more of this into our day? And one of the best ways that I have found to kind of pack in fruits and vegetables, there are a lot of different ways, but I make a lot of soups. I am not a soup person, or at least I wasn't. And I think that's because in my mind, soups were either brothy and not filling, which I actually get miso soup every time I go get sushi. And I love miso soup. But in terms of a meal, right, if you think of the Seinfeld episode where they argue about soup being a meal and say that it isn't, I always kind of felt that way. And I felt like if someone called it a meal, it was generally carb and fat heavy, which isn't a problem. But if I am planning my meals with the goal in mind to get adequate protein, soups just kind of seem to miss the mark for me. And recently, I've kind of changed my tune a little bit because you can pack in a lot of fruits and vegetables and a lot of protein if you just make adjustments to recipes or if you can just find the right recipes that have a lot of vegetables in them. And so soups have kind of been the jam in our household lately. And what's great is you can make a lot of it at once and then you can freeze it. So in terms of efficiency and having meals prepped for later, soups are kind of the jam. So if you haven't gotten into soups, I'm going to be releasing some recipes soon. And I'm going to have some soups on there because there are a couple that I'm like, man, these are so good. And they're so packed with fruits, or I'm sorry, not generally fruits, but vegetables and protein and are filling and delicious and easy to store. And I just feel like they're kind of a a jam. Like don't sleep on soups. I've talked about this before, but in terms of how I plan my meals, every Friday or Saturday, I take 30 minutes. And I will even set a timer just because I don't like to take too much time, but I take 30 minutes and I plan all of our dinners for the following week. If you've listened to me for a while, you know that my first two meals and snacks, it's a lot of the same stuff. And I like it that way because I just know what to expect. I know what to always buy. And it's easy and my body tolerates it well. And then I will change it up with dinners. I have a Pinterest board where I keep all of my recipes or screenshots of recipes and I just put everything there. It's all consolidated and I take 30 minutes on a Friday or a Saturday and I go through three to four-ish meals that I could make for dinners the following week so that we would have enough for leftovers for the remaining days that I'm not cooking. So again, this is where soups are kind of awesome is because they can really last for a long time and you can make a lot of it. And then I assess what ingredients that I need. I get onto our grocery pickup. I place an order for me to pick up Monday morning. And then over the course of the weekend, if I realize I'd forgotten something for our order, I just add it. And then every Monday I go and pick up our grocery order. I haven't been into a grocery store with a full grocery list, I think in like six years. I discovered grocery pickup when my son was born. So that was six and a half years ago. And it was a gift to the world. I think it was one of the greatest inventions of all time for parents with young children is grocery pickup. And so that is the way that I approach my own meal planning. And again, I recommend trying some version of this, not to say you have to do it exactly like this, but 
to take a little bit of dedicated time to plan for a long period of time, like 30 minutes on a Friday to plan for an entire week. And then to do something like a grocery pickup order, if that's something that's available to you, can save a lot of time and mental energy put forth to either grocery shopping or making a list or, you know, trying to figure out what to make for dinner tonight. The next thing that I have been working on that I'm actually really proud of is my sleep has been really on point the last month. I have put such an emphasis on sleep in the last year and it, just like everything else, has ebbed and flowed due to, ebbed and flown, ebbed and flowed due to my children most of the time. Our life is pretty conducive to a consistent schedule routine wise, but with young kids, there's always room for things to get a little a little derailed and that's okay I've been patient with myself but my kids now are sleeping great generally speaking and our routine and uninterrupted sleep time has been pretty great and I have been going to bed and waking up at the same time every single day of the week and I cannot tell you what a difference that has made in every area of my life and it is such an underrated health hack, if you will. It's not a hack. It's just a very, very smart way to take care of your body is to have good sleep hygiene. Two little tips that I will offer in regard to sleep, and maybe this relates to you and maybe it doesn't, but if you struggle to get into bed, sometimes I'm on the couch, we're watching a show, my husband and I, I'm like, I just don't want to turn off the show. I don't want to get into bed. A tip for getting myself into bed is I always have a book I'm excited about. Always. My goal this year was to read 50 books. We're in June. I just finished number 26 or 27. So I'm a little bit ahead of schedule. And they're always books I'm excited about. And so it just gives me a little bit of an edge to say, okay, I'm all right to get into bed. Now, if someone has an easy time getting into bed, but difficulty falling asleep, then a tip for falling asleep can often be read a really boring book. (laughs) So it's kind of both ends of the spectrum, either one you're really excited about to get you into bed or to have a really boring book. And to even create a hybrid of the two, to start reading the book you're excited about and then switch to a boring book, I'm always reading two books at the same time. And that, you know, is a tool that I can utilize if I'm too excited about this book and I'm not going to sleep on time. Again, maybe you don't struggle with either of those things, but that's been what I've been working on. It's like, okay, in order for me to get into bed, I need to have a book that I'm excited about. And typically I fall asleep pretty easily, but sometimes I do just need like a, and I don't want to say boring because I like the books I'm reading a lot, but just a more like dense, not as exciting book. You get me? Okay. The next thing that I'm going to share is in regard to my autoimmune condition. And this is what I've been working on, what I've been dealing with, and where I've been at with it. For the last couple of years, I've had some urinary and bowel retention. It's called neurogenic bladder. And essentially what that means is due to damage on my brain and spinal cord, I believe, my impulses that are telling my bladder to empty, for example, are not firing correctly. And so going to the bathroom has been really hard for me. And luckily I have found a combination of medications to really help with that. But 
it does worsen or get better. It doesn't really stay the same as much as I would like it to, and that's okay. That's just kind of part of the deal. That's one of the things that I've been dealing with. And right now, I don't really have a good answer moving forward for what we need to do to help it even more. So that's one thing I've been working on. I don't know how I've been working on that, but that's kind of an update in regard to my autoimmune condition. And then the other element that has been more at the forefront for me when it comes to my autoimmune condition is when I get stressed or fatigued or overstimulated. And I shouldn't just say stressed. I think when I get overstressed, when I get overfatigued or overstimulated, my eyes really struggle. So that was one of my initial symptoms when I was diagnosed with NMOSD was my eyes, my vision. There was just a lot of different things that were not working properly. And so now my vision is more or less stable depending on my level of stress, fatigue, and stimulation. And so there are certain activities that I just know will be a little bit too taxing for my eyes and I will therefore avoid said task. A lot of times just anything visually that's overstimulating can be really difficult and it will lead to headaches and a lot of pain and sleep is typically the first line of defense for me to just kind of reset my eyes. But more than that, what I have been putting effort towards is continuing to manage my stress. Now, I did an episode on stress and the value of it. Stress is actually a really good thing for the body to be under within a certain boundary. When it goes beyond your ability to recover is when it starts to hinder your health and work against you. And so I like to put myself under stress in a lot of different areas. For heaven's sake, I just mentioned all sorts of gym and physical related things that I really enjoy, and that's all stress on the body. But in terms of other areas of stress, I have to be very mindful and manage that and learn what types of things will work against me and my vision in particular and my eyes in particular. And so I have to be a little bit selective with what I allow myself to look at, with what I allow myself to do, what I'm allowing in terms of stimulation. And with that, I'm able to manage it okay. And when it does happen, I respond with a lot of water and a lot of sleep. And that seems to be an okay recipe for right now. The last thing that I want to address is mentally what I've been working on. I would say my number one thing at all times is pretty much generalized anxiety. Now, I say that recognizing that currently my anxiety level is not to the level of some people's. Now, I have gone through periods of severe anxiety in my life and I have done a great deal of work and had a great deal of help and resources that have allowed me to navigate it and manage it in a much healthier way. And so in my anxiety now is doesn't resemble what it has been at certain times in my life. And so I, I really don't struggle with it the way that I used to. But now it is something that is just a consistent hum kind of in my mind and in my body And what I have really begun to implement is never trying to get rid of it. And I shouldn't even say beginning to implement. This is something that I've been practicing for quite some time because if it's something that I have so consistently, it has been worth my time to do the work on it. And so I have learned to never try to get rid of anxiety. Again, this is my own experience. I never try to get rid of it. 
I simply work to move through it with intention. I get anxiety every Sunday night and I have had that pretty consistently for pretty much my whole life. I remember even back into elementary school kind of having those Sunday night blues and I've survived every single Sunday night. I have made it here, sitting here with you today, and I have survived every single bout of anxiety. And that's not because I got rid of it. It's just because I moved through it and I just allowed it to be there. And so when it comes to my own anxiety, I've had to kind of know my limits and know my resources in terms of what do I do when this happens? Where do I go? How do I move through this with intention versus trying to make it go away or just crumbling underneath it? And so a lot of the tools that I talk about on the podcast are things that I am implementing every day in order to move through my anxiety. And it is very empowering to think back to the hundreds, if not thousands of moments that I have felt anxiety and moments that it has been very, very difficult and I have made it through every single one. And I say this not to necessarily give myself credit, but to remind you that you have likely done the same thing that every painful emotion that you have felt, you have made it through every single one. You are literally at 100% success rate because you are listening to this now. You have made it through every emotion you have ever felt. And so if you also struggle with something like anxiety, you have only got evidence that you can make it through anxiety, that you can get through these moments, that you can allow it to be there and not crumble underneath it. So my friends, this is a little bit of a different podcast episode than I usually do. And I hope you don't feel like I was talking about myself too much. I mean, I kind of was, but that was a little bit of the point. But regardless, I hope there was something valuable in it, if nothing else, to remind you that number one, you are in charge of taking care of your body. And number two, what that looks like is going to be different and it will also be different at different times for you as well. So take care of yourself, whatever that means. And I will talk to you next week. Are you ready to lose weight, but you don't know where to start? I have something for free that can help. Here at Brain Diet, I offer a free set your custom macros call. On this call, I'll want to know what your goals are and set you on the nutritional path to achieving them. This is a private call with me where I get all the information about you and your body so I can deliver a custom calorie and macronutrient count that when implemented will lead to weight loss in a kind and nourishing way. And if you're ready to hire a coach to walk you through every step of your weight loss journey, I'll tell you everything you need to know about that too. So if it's your time to start losing weight in a sustainable, healthy, and nourishing way, sign up for this free set your custom macro call at the link in the show notes. I'll see you soon.